0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to All Each Other Has for part three of our Taylor Swift series. In this episode, we'll be delving into the 3 a.m. version of Midnight's. Uh, into each song there and talking about how it fits into the larger Taylor metaverse and history. Okay, so because
1: I think that I have a preference for Aaron Dessner's production and co-writing over Jack Antonoff's, I actually love <laughs> the 3AM edition songs. I mean, the ones that he he did.
0: Oh, that blood shed crimson clover, on uh-huh.
1: So, The Great War, I think, is amazing. I feel like it could have been on folklore evermore. All that blood shed, shed crimson, crimson clover. clover uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. It, it uses, like, a lot of very rich imagery. Um, mm-hmm. And and also, you know, the fact that she wrote it with Aaron Dessner is probably why it could have been
0: on folklore or, or on evermore. I also feel like maybe this is an, a stretch, but because she's such an anglophile, of course she calls it mm. the Great War instead of. Not that she would call. Not that she would call a song World War One, but <laughs> like they still call it the Great War. I think so. Well, and they they definitely the Commonwealth. I you know I was in Canada last week, and they were wearing some people on set were wearing that poppy pin, Remembrance Day. They just take oh, it a lot more poppies. seriously. She says
1: poppies in my hair in this song. a say a solemn prayer. There you go. Taylor's lyricism shines as always, alluding to the Great War, British English terminology with all the language, signs, and symbols. A red poppy is a symbol from this era, a sign of remembrance due to their growing throughout the Western Front. And we survived the Great, the great War. <laughs> um, I don't know. Also, the Great War was so photographed in a way – that wars hadn't been previously. I mean we talked in a previous episode about civil war photography, but you think of all of these young people who went into World War 1 and what they looked like after. I don't know. That's what now I'm I'm picturing. And then I drew my curtains closed, drank my poison all alone. Maybe that's like a Romeo and Juliet reference. Hmm. And I said, She loves those. But only one person committed.
0: Oh, that'd be tough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's move on to Bigger Than the Whole Sky.
2: Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. You were bigger than the whole sky.
0: You more than this is a really emotional song. And a number of listeners have related to it uh, listeners who have experienced a miscarriage. And when you – now that I have read about people interpreting it as such, I definitely see why. You were bigger than the whole sky. You were more than just – A short time. Right. You were more than just a short time. I'm never going to meet what could have
1: been, would have been – Should have been you. And she also does the could have, would have, could have, should have there. But, you know, I saw something on TikTok right before we were recording, because my algorithm saw Taylor Swift too, that maybe it's actually a song about Corey Monteith, whom she, I don't know if they dated. I think maybe it was like a brief, very brief romance, or they were friendly for a little bit. Or maybe they were friends through Diana Agron, who Taylor, I know, used to be. Um, good friends with but there are pictures of them like bowling together laughing and you know Corey Monteith died of complications i think from um drug use in a toronto i think hotel room mm-hmm. in 2013 and so sad i don't know maybe the what what would have been could have been should have been you is the version of him when he's healthy um or you know when he was sober Mm-hmm. Um, and he never got to that. She never got to see that. I don't know. Another thing I wanted to say about this song is it kind of reminded me of that short story, The Butterfly Effect, right? Because she says something like, did some bird flap its wings over in Asia, right? Or did, did this happen because I didn't pray, um, um, this like theme of, of contingency upon small things when something like this is totally outside of one's control.
2: Mm.
0: It's, it's in contrast to mastermind. Oh, totally. That's a really but, good point. But I know that mastermind also starts by acknowledging the role of fate and then she takes control over the situation after that, right? But she acknowledges mm-hmm. the role of fate.
2: I love her. She's right.
0: full of contradictions,
1: you know. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Mastermind. She kind of she almost has like a god complex, right? Um, and in this one, she's praying to some higher power. The thing she's singing to is bigger than the whole sky. Mm-hmm. Um, things are happening across the planet, and and she's trying to she's she trying, has trying no to control
0: cre- and and like create causality where there probably isn't any. I'm right. such a exactly. cynic no it's
1: fine I, I, I totally agree the next song is Paris which is silly kind of fun though I mean I don't think it's actually about Paris it's just about you know it opens right with somebody relaying gossip to her
0: a club and he kissed her turns out it was that guy you hooked up with ages ago some be lister and all the outfits were
1: terrible she's like actually i didn't hear about that cuz i was having fun with my in my own little world and that kind of reminded me of king of my heart is it king of my heart when she sings about we rule the kingdom inside my room there we go yes. that's the line i was trying to think of
3: King queen, and you move to me like I'm a bee,
1: and rule the kingdom inside my room. None of the outside really matters, and this is the same kind of vibe as a sweet nothing. But I think this is just like a more fun, silly version where she kind of half rhymes Paris and somewhere else, which I don't know what to make of that. But um I don't know. Do we have anything to add about this song, Paris? No. It shows her unsheekness that she calls the outfits, whether the person who's gossiping to her, um talks about the outfits being 2003 unbearable when that's like the
0: way to dress at the moment. Yeah, I thought that was funny too. She should have said like 2009. Although, before you know it, that will be the cool thing
1: again. <laughs> hmm Um, I want to brainwash you into loving me forever I want to transport you to somewhere the culture's clever Confess my truth in swooping, sloping cursive letters Speaking of all her (laughs) The different pens she imagines the the songs written in
0: Let's move on to High Infidelity Do you really want to know where I was
2: April 29th? Do I really have to chart the constellations in his eyes? So
0: I think it's – I like this song a lot. Gosh, we really like almost every song. We're
1: co-written by Aaron Dessner and I guess produced by him. Probably about Calvin Harris, Tom Hiddleston. And
0: And what was she doing on April 29th? So April 29th is a significant date because on April 29th, uh, 2016, Calvin Harris released the song, This Is What You Came For.
2: Baby, this is what you came for. Lightning. Strikes every time she moves.
0: That he did with Rihanna that Taylor actually wrote, uh, co-wrote under a pseudonym Niels Soberg. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, it, seems, it seems that part of the reason they broke up was that, I mean, according to TMZ, so... Not very trusted, but that was what led to their breakup. Taylor felt that Calvin hadn't given her proper credit on the song.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and then he went on this whole tweet rampage about it and how you should be happy with your new boyfriend and stop trying to take other people down, basically, calling her petty, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um on may 1st right the first monday in may so a couple days after after april 29th that's where she met tom hiddleston at the met gala exactly so not sorry not may 1st whenever the first monday may in 2nd, may was may 2nd may 2nd um and she danced with tom hiddleston
0: the ties were black the lies were white and shades of gray and
1: candlelight i wanted to leave him i needed a reason um, and some people, though, think April 29th refers to April 29th, 2012, which was Diana Agron's circus themed birthday. And maybe that's why they're both obsessed with circuses. And also, you know, Diana Agron, I used to check her Tumblr all the time. That was, it was something having to do with the Mad Hatter. What was it called? Um, well, she had so an Alice in
0: Wonderland tattoo.
1: And then she and, got it covered.
0: Yeah, and it was it was pretty big. It's it was on her the side of her rib cage. Um and it was a few Diana lines, did, not Taylor. Yeah, yeah, it was a few lines from the Lewis Carroll book. And one of the one I remember was we're all mad here or something. Kill right, right. <laughs>
1: um <laughs> and you know, Taylor Swift does have the song Wonderland. Didn't
2: they tell us don't rush into things and you flash your green eyes
1: Is that on the extended 1989? Hang on. Wonderland. Yes. Wait, this is a thread on Twitter. (laughs) Wonderland by Taylor Swift and why it's about Diana Agron. (laughs) Taylor Swift and Diana Agron, Swift-Gron, were rumored to have most likely to have been dating between 2011 and 13. And there's lots of evidence to suggest this, including pictures of them where you see Diana wearing a dress and then there's a picture of Taylor wearing and they shared clothes but I feel like friends share clothes
0: <laughs> yeah I, I totally okay so moving on uh, Glitch I think there's been a glitch uh, five seconds later, I'm I don't subject. have a lot to say about this one so please yeah take,
1: I mean it also has the same kind of thing as Mastermind In that I guess the music is supposed to mirror What the song is about So it's sort of Techie, synthy I don't know I had to, I had to explain Um, Machine like mm. Mm-hmm It kind of sounds like how I'd imagine Wally or Eve Not how <laughs> I'd imagine But it
0: reminds me of Wally <laughs> Totally, it's a great comparison. All right, let's let's move on to your favorite song and one of my favorites too. Coulda woulda shoulda would have could have should have. Sorry, that one.
3: <laughs> um, yeah,
1: a lot of the critics said they didn't understand why this wasn't on uh midnight's proper and i know i keep talking about pitchfork but they had interesting things to say they usually do um but that it would have you know pierced through midnight's blanket fog and the thing that comes close to taylor's strength as a storyteller or kind of the taylor that we appreciate most is um you're on your own kid and pitchfork says What Have, Could Have, Should Have is seemingly a follow-up to 2010's Dear John, drawing out the complexities of a teenage girl's relationship with a manipulative older man and considering the weight of his violations with mature, nuanced perspective. It's one of the best songs of her career. I mean, I have to kind of, I do wish that it was on the the regular album. I think it's such an amazing song. It's definitely my
0: favorite. That and um, You're on Your Own Kid are, are my favorites on the album this song is a beggar I have to tell you I was listening to it in the in the car today and there's such mm-hmm. an energy about it and the part that gives me that
1: sense of adrenaline that certain songs of hers give like um that part on i think you're talking about the bridge yeah the bridge but that part on death by a thousand cuts
0: my heart my hips my body my that you didn't touch. Gave up on me like I was a bad drug. Now I'm searching
1: for signs in a But I love on this song, The she Tomb Won't something. Close. God the Rest stained My glass Soul. Win- oh, God, re- God Rest My Soul. I miss who I used to be. The tomb won't close. The stained glass window's in my mind. I regret you all the time. I mean, so good. If she wrote it more recently, I mean, it just goes to show the emotional toll of dating someone like John Mayer who was 32 when she was 19, the toll that it it took on her. When I think about myself at 19, the idea of dating someone, Ellie, who is Mark's age is so disturbing to mm-hmm. me. Especially um, someone
0: who's like super famous and a rock star. Right, right. Um, I really like this song. I – I have to be honest, I haven't listened to these to the three AM version um or the three AM tracks as much as I have the the regular. Uh right. but I really love this song. It's such a it's such a jam. I wanna learn all the words. And I like um, that she calls him a promising grown man, because
1: you know the term is usually a promising young woman. Um or I guess a promising young man, but more often I feel like promising young woman. Um, and then she sings, "If I was a child, did it matter if you got to wash your hands?" I mean, it's just, it's just so amazing. Yeah. And now that I'm grown, I'm scared of ghosts. Memories feel like weapons. Hmm.
0: It's so good, and I'm I'm glad you brought up promising young woman because, uh, that was a movie that came out a couple years ago that. I really didn't like <laughs> um and I had high high expectations for that movie and I think that the biggest problem I had with it is to me it's really hard to root for a protagonist whose goal is to kill herself and frame someone else for her murder it feels it's just really what kind of message is that saying about revenge and about karma and To me, the best kind of revenge, if someone wrongs you and, you know, obviously anger is really hard to get to let go of, but the best kind of revenge is living your life and finding happiness again and not letting it drag you down, letting it go. And that's what I think I love so much about karma and this song is that it could be really bitter, right? And some of the lyrics are kind of bitter, but the song overall is such a happy hopeful one and same same with would have could have should have do you know what i mean i regret mm-hmm. you all the time but it's this really upbeat song that you want to sing to in the car
1: i i guess i don't know it it's so pleading and begging the lion, give me back my girlhood it was mine first like that's such a child like turn of phrase like it was mine first um mm-hmm. and that's what makes it it I don't know. I find this song really heartbreaking, um, but also obviously beautiful. Mm-hmm. And there also, you, um, you should note it's song number nineteen in the oh, track
0: list. There you go. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Okay, the final song, dear reader. Someone-
1: So I didn't really like this song at first.
0: I have to agree.
1: But now I do.
0: (laughs) Me too. And I think it's an interesting
1: choice to end on it versus ending on Mastermind. Mastermind is a much more satisfying place to end because we feel like, oh, she's she's good and happy and she's also in control versus Dear Reader. Never take advice from someone who's falling apart Mm -hmm. makes me – scared but also makes me realize that she's she's a work in progress and and sorry i keep quoting pitchfork and i'm not quite sure i remember which album this is a, a review of but she's best when she's learning rather than teaching mm-hmm. in her lyrics um or she's i guess showing showing not telling and so I think it's a testament to that that she she's growing but also maybe this isn't how she feels all the time
0: that she's mm-hmm. that she's falling apart. Um I don't know. What do you think, Ellie? I mean, I think that she has a lot of wisdom to impart now that she's 32, almost 33, and gone through a lot and just been really thoughtful about her life. Ever since she was a kid, you know, and Miss Americana, it opens with her going through all of her journals and they're just filled, you know, and she's just been a horse girl forever. So I feel like the words that she says, unless they're the glitter gel pen lyrics are, they're all really thought out. And, um, but I love that she has the humility to realize that she doesn't have all the answers mm-hmm. either. And I love the outro where she says, "You should find another guiding light, but I shine so bright." Right. And I'm really, I I love this this song, especially after having watched and listened to her commencement address, because she she states all of this, uh, and it this commencement address was so special because not only did she get honored with a, a doctorate degree, and for someone who never went to college and who finished high school on the road, you know, I think that was really exciting for her, but it really it was a, a moment where she could give a prepared speech that wasn't at an award show or you know what I mean where it had to be kind of short. and I just love how she ended it and I'm going to just read. <clears throat> I know I sound like a consummate optimist, but I'm really not. I lose perspective all the time. Sometimes everything just feels completely pointless. I know the pressure of living your life through the lens of perfectionism. And I know that I'm talking to a group of perfectionists because you are here today graduating from NYU. And so this may be hard for you to hear. In your life, you will inevitably misspeak, trust the wrong people, underreact, overreact, hurt the people who didn't deserve it, Overthink, not think at all, self-sabotage, create a reality where only your experience exists, ruin perfectly good moments for yourself and others, deny any wrongdoing, not take the steps to make it right, feel very guilty, let the guilt eat at you hit rock bottom, finally address the pain you caused, try to do better next time, rinse, repeat. And I'm not going to lie, these mistakes will cause you to lose things. I'm trying to tell you that losing things doesn't just mean losing. A lot of the time when we lose things, we gain things too. Like she says in You're on Your Own Kid, everything you lose is a step you take. I leave you with this, we are led by our gut instincts, our intuition, our desires and
2: fears, our scars and our dreams. And you will screw it up sometimes. So will I. And when I do, you
0: will most likely read about it on the internet. Anyway, hard things will happen to us. We will recover. We will learn from it we will grow more resilient because of it and as long as we are fortunate enough to be breathing we will breathe in
2: breathe through breathe deep and breathe out i just
0: i think we got to leave it there and thank you to taylor for continuing to make music that we love and that brings us together especially you and me Carrie i yes totally love that this is something we share i think some of my happiest memories are being in the in the kitchen um in East Hampton cooking and listening or to driving
1: around also
0: yeah and feeling like the world is just us and taylor in oh, really? our little house and it's 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 a it, her music represents a place of safety for me and That's beautiful um,
1: i feel the same me
0: well i love you so much and thanks for I love bearing you too. Me. if only she had a sister <laughs> i know i know and um it's just it's such a fun fandom to be a part of and I most am of the so, time sometimes most of the time sometimes really they're crazy. literally insane like analyzing the way she's holding her hands in every one of those midnight's mayhem with me video i mean next level stuff
1: well (laughs) speaking of the taylor swift fandom swifty dumb whatever you want to call it we have a couple questions from some dedicated listeners here's the first one
2: my name is adriana i'm ellie and carrie's friend and I have loved listening to the series on all each other has about Taylor and this album. I say all the time that I feel so lucky to be a young woman in the era of Taylor Swift because it's such a great community and sense of connection. I have with people I know and people I don't. I also think that this era in particular is really fun because of TikTok and there's so much added content. It reminds me of the Tumblr era. I wasn't really into TikTok during Folklore and Evermore and also those two albums were just more subdued and they didn't quite match how I was feeling about life at the time. So even though I love them, they didn't have the resonating impact that Midnight's is having to me I've always said that my favorite album was 1989 it came out my senior year of high school and it just perfectly matched I always said that it felt like I, I could bottle up how I felt about a specific era of my life and turn it into an album and I feel the same way about Midnight's uh I'm 25 I live in New York I'm not in love but I'm in love with my life you could say and I'm so happy right now and everything about it, I, I couldn't ask for a better album. Um, I think you're on your own kid, especially for people in their 20s right now. will always, I think it speaks to a lot of us. Um, I think that it's just, it's, it's this era of Taylor and her confidence and her ability to defy everything the music industry tells her to be is just so empowering and such a an electrifying feeling. Thank
1: you, Adriana, for submitting your thoughts and some wonderful questions and things to think about. The first thing I'd love to respond to is your love for You're On Your Own Kid. Obviously, as I've said several times um, in this three-part series, You're On Your Own Kid is my favorite song on the Midnight's proper album not including the 3am version also some you're on your own fan art is my phone background and especially as you said you know being in your 20s you know post-college but you're not quite all together yet i mean adriana you're much more
0: precocious
1: precocious and, and you definitely have things much more figured out than than i do But whenever lately I've felt, what am I doing? I'm such a loser. I just remember that I'm on my own. (laughs) And I've done this before, Mm -hmm. as Taylor has. And that's really strengthened my resolve (laughs) over the past few weeks.
0: And I I just love how she says, uh, it's not you're on your own, kid. That's not the only part of the chorus. It's you always have been. Right. The next line I think is really important and one I wasn't necessarily anticipating because in the NYU address, where you know she laid some Easter eggs for the upcoming album that we didn't even know we were getting later this year, she said, The good news is you're on your own now. The scary news is you're on your own now. I like that it's that in the actual song, it's about you always have been. Like, you know how to do this because you faced obstacles and adversity before this. And you need to pull from that wealth of experience. No matter how young you are, there's something you've had to overcome. So to me, that's what the song is sort of saying. Like, you've got this. You can face this. That's literally what she says. And it just, that song makes
1: me so proud to love Taylor um given everything she's gone through, I think Ellie and I we were talking about the sexual assault trial. Do you want to speak to that a little bit, Ellie?
0: Yeah, I just wanted to make sure we touched on this cuz it's definitely you know, Kim and Kanye gate aside, it's definitely a serious thing she dealt with. Um probably the most serious thing she's ever dealt with, although I don't know everything about her. But um, in 2013, she was at a meet and greet in Colorado. And uh, she posed for a photo with this DJ, David Muller. And there's little, literally photographic evidence. But in a photo, she alleged that he was groping her butt. And she told them what happened. She told his superiors. And he got fired from the radio station he worked at and he sued Taylor for defamation. This is something we see a lot, most recently in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. And um, so he sued her for wrongful or, you know, defamation that led to wrongful termination. And then she countersued him for battery and sexual assault. And all she sought was a symbolic $1 in damages
1: which you see, by the way, in her big return with Reputation, the music video for Look What You Made Me Do. She is in a bathtub filled with all of this jewelry. And then you see a single dollar bill near her head.
0: Mm. Yeah, definitely. And to think that this happened, you know, in 2013, she was only 23, 24 years old. And then for it to be brought up again, three to four years later in 2016, when she was essentially in hiding and super unpopular and being called a snake and completely withdrew and went offline. I think that must've been really hard that she had to go back into court and talk about what happened to her again, but it was a really amazing thing. They didn't allow cameras into this courtroom, but I remember there was coverage of it and I know she gave a statement And it was very black and white, what had happened, in her words. And uh, the jury ruled in Swift's favor and ordered Mueller to pay her $1. About a year later, in July of 2018, she performed Clean from the 1989 album during the Reputation tour. And it was raining, and it was in Tampa. And she talked about this in the preamble to her song. Just kind of looking back... um... This exact day, a year ago, um, I was uh, I was not playing a sold-out stadium in Tampa. I was I was in a courtroom in Denver, Colorado. Um, honestly, I I was there for a sexual assault case and. This day a year
2: ago was the day that, um, uh, the day that the jury sided in my favor and said that they believed me.
0: I think clean took on such a deeper significance after I watched that performance on YouTube because it wasn't just about a relationship that she needed to kind of you know wash away. It was about an experience and sort of feeling reborn through speaking her truth and standing up for herself and it's you know it had this regenerative power for her and i feel like that's at its best what art does and i think what she said you know before she started singing it saying you know i believe you i think that it was just it was really moving and important
2: when I was drowning, that's when I could finally breathe and morning, you. I
1: think I- our next question/slash commentary comes from our friend Elizabeth, who's a loyal listener of the pod and obviously a big Swifty.
3: Hey guys. Um, this was a really great episode. Perhaps one of my favorites of your um canon so far. I think it was really meaningful for a couple different reasons. I want to I wanna not overlook like the sisters singing Death by a Thousand Cuts together and just like how special and sweet that is in terms of like not only bonding with your friends Ellie from Yale, but also just like between each other and connecting on that level and just like the relationship between the lyrics and just sort of sharing that between sisters is something really special. And I don't think that's necessarily unique to a bunch of now different families. And it's just um, a very cool lens to look through it enjoyed that i would have loved to go through more of lover i think ellie touched on it a little bit with false god and afterglow um and just maybe also to sort of this change from reputation to rainbow and not necessarily exactly sure sort of like whether it was a marketing play or actually just sort of her feelings and how she was going to portray herself um to the world again and um would have loved to hear a little bit of that as well but but truly this was a really mesmerizing episode i really enjoyed every single um thing that you guys said and i'm probably going to listen to it again after i listen to death by a thousand cuts okay love you both
0: elizabeth thank you so much for calling in and being a loyal listener and a lifelong friend we love you thanks for your kind words about you know hearing us sing the bridge of death by a Thousand Cuts and i think there's something very sisterly amongst actual sisters and just friends that happens when taylor is part of the conversation in terms of your question about the 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 switch or evolution from reputation to lover which sort of sta- you know stand in stark contrast to each other i think sure maybe some of it was a marketing play i think with taylor it's it's probably impossible for her to do anything without that layer of, you know, of optics to it and how this is going to sell because she is a businesswoman and she is a brand. But it felt to me like she found someone while she was recording Reputation. She found Joe because Call It What You Want was very much about him and King of My Heart. And it felt like it was the beginning of something new in Reputation. I think there are glimmers Of hope and optimism in that album, even though you have a lot of, you know, the hardcore black and white reputation print, look what you made me do kind of vibe, a a revenge story. But there are these really beautiful songs, Call It What You Want, I think is so lovely. Yeah, and I think to have the last song
1: on reputation be New Year's Day, which is so hopeful, and is sort of a precursor to I used to think love was burning red, but it's golden. (laughs) You know, I want your midnight, but I'll also be cleaning up bottles with you on New Year's Day. Please don't
0: ever become a stranger whose laugh I could recognize anyway. Yeah, I think that with songs like that, reputation has a lot of glimmers of hope and joy. And I recently saw the the new Noah Baumbach, Greta Gerwig movie called White Noise, which is based on the 1985 book by Don DeLillo. And I just love this quote from it, which is, out of some persistent sense of large scale ruin, we keep inventing hope. And I think that Reputation, ha- you know, there's a sense from the way it's marketed that it's this very heavy, angry album. But there are amazing songs on it that just represent falling in love, the joy of that, the hope that that comes with new love. And that's when she was falling in love with Joe. And so I think you really feel that. And then the segue to Lover, you know, I I think that that's a continuation of that with songs like Daylight, obviously, what a life-affirming, song and then more more fun songs, you know, I think He Knows or London Boy, which I know is a little silly, but just some more lighthearted things. Um I think that starting the album with I forgot that you existed is just was really fitting for that album. Just, you know, you were once living right. free in it my mind. In stark contrast to look what you made me do. Right. And so if you look at all the songs on lover. I forgot that you existed Is sort of like, let's cleanse my mind, get rid of the negativity. We're now, you know, dip dyeing our hair pink and wearing pastels. And this is our new vibe. And then you have lover, which I think is a really beautiful song. Um, The Archer, Miss Americana, Cornelia Street. So I think All of these songs really had to do with her falling in love with Joe and being in that relationship and feeling safe for the first time in a while. And it wasn't a coincidence that the Netflix documentary, Miss Americana, sort of came out in tandem with Lover. I mean, it came out a few months after Lover, but the documentary was following her recording Lover. You know, there's this great moment where she gets off stage and Joe's waiting for her and you just get the sense that this is where she's at in her life. And it's, it's a much better place than before.
1: And that concludes our Taylor Swift triptych. I don't know. Expresis? No. Um, three-part series. Let's just keep it simple. Um, thank you so much for sticking around. If you're still here, you're probably a major Swiftie, so I definitely respect you. Um, Thank you again, Ellie, for doing this with me. It was really special to get to talk all things Taylor with you, and I know our conversation will continue probably via text and TikTok for the rest of our lives. (laughs) Well, maybe not the TikTok part. I don't know, but... (laughs) Let's hope and pray that we can finagle tickets to the Eras tour. Yep. Tree Pain, please, please. help us. Please.
0: <laughs> please. Um, I just wanted to say this was so fun doing it with you. I've wanted to do this for a really long time, a retrospective on Taylor and sort of look at her entire discography, you know, and put it into the context of the time in which it was written and how the songs interact with each other. Because I've just never followed an artist, you know, who is so self-referential and sort of creates a metaverse like we talked about. I mean, it's just so fun to be a part of. And I'm really glad we took the time to to go through the new album, talk about her entire collection of songs. And I absolutely love doing this with you. But
1: Ellie, real Swifty Test, do you know the lyrics to I'd Lie or I
0: Heart Question Mark? No, and I'm so Wake mortified
2: Wake up,
1: smell the breakup Fix my hair, put on my makeup Another mess I didn't plan Wait, I don't even know the words Honestly, it sounds like Na-na, a banger na-na-na. Got an I, heart, question mark Written on the back of my hands She's gotta release or- that And I could tell you His favorite color's green He likes to argue Born on the 17th His sister's beautiful He has his father's eyes If you ask me if I love him
2: I'd I'd lie
1: lie. (laughs) I think I have heard that one Okay, you have some
0: homework to do seriously right. i just wanted to thank everybody for hanging in here with us and i think that taylor's nyu address is one of the best things i've ever read and i think we can all learn <laughs> a lot from her about how to yes. embrace every part of ourselves even the flaws and
2: even just... the
1: antihero and to exactly. think dialectically right <laughs> yeah we just came from a family therapy sessions so dialectical thinking is certainly on our minds <laughs> but thank you for listening we love you i love you carrie
2: and i could tell you his favorite color's green
3: he loves to argue born on the 17th his sister's beautiful